This audio recording is the third session of Restoration Road's 2016 Men's Retreat at Cedar Springs Camp in Lake Stevens, Washington. The title of the session is The Battle is Individual and Communal. The speaker is Eli Herzler. More information can be found at restorationroadchurch.com. All right. God is good, isn't he? That's one thing I just, I love just about, you know, singing these songs and praise songs and I think every time, for me at least, when I hear testimonies that you were so transparent today and that really moved me and touched me in such a way that when I sing songs, I that it just seems heavier. It has so much more meaning. And when you, when you look at this, when you hear the words that no schemes of man can take me out of your hand. And that's just so beautiful and so powerful and that's the power of the gospel. And we have to re- always go back to the gospel and always remember the strength and the power is never in, a, uh, is never in us and ourself. But it's the Holy Spirit that dwells in us that provides that, that strength. And in that strength is the only means we ever have to overcome sin. And that sin has been victoriously beaten, victoriously won by Jesus on the cross. I just wanted to put that in there, um, and I really do appreciate those who, this morning and, and Eric last night, just, just to come out and just to share with us their, their hearts, their struggles, because it is a real fight, and it is. And we live in a culture today that, that takes this ideal, ideal of individualism, the approach to dealing with things like this and, and it forces, the culture forces this, this belief structure that, that it's, it's sh- such a shame and it's so embarrassing that, that you need to hide it and you need to put it aside and you need to not tell anybody. And at some point, you'll figure out a way on your own to handle it. But that's the world's view and that's what the world is pushing on us and that's the sin of our flesh because we, we see all, we, you know, we're, there's a double battle going on when we look at just regular TV. I see it all the time with my kids. I have to explain things to them. I really have to start to, I really, lately we've been really filtering what they watch because all this, there's so much suggestive material, so much suggestive just information, just even in kids' shows, just in kids' shows in themselves, it's just constant pollution. It's like a cancer in our, in our minds. And that's why when we look at strong passages in Ephesians 5, the, Paul instructs us to put on the whole armor of God, to always be prepared and always realize what we're up against. And that's in verse 11, we're up against the schemes of the devil. So we can stand firm, is what the Bible says, against the schemes of the devil to put on the whole armor of God. Um, and this is something I wanted to just kind of bring in before our main text we're going to look at is going to be in Galatians 6. So you can turn there and be prepared and we'll kind of look at those verses and understand that. But um, what I wanted to focus on too is just this, this, this messed up philosophy that has influenced the church in such a way that there's this lone ranger mentality, right? That we're, we, we can fight this on our own. And you see that in all kinds of areas, not just against like sexual sins, but you see this in, in even like theology. You see this um, in how to even do church and how to do these things. People just have this, it's, it's in our flesh to want to do things on our own. And so we, 
we try to control things and so we push back against health. And that's, that's one of the, the, the worst things we can do because God has called us together as a family. We're from all different backgrounds. We have all different understandings, but we have one thing in common. The most important thing in common is that God, by his blood, has redeemed us. God, by his stripes, has called us to be his people, to be his children. And in that, we have everything in common. And if we have everything in common, the most important thing we have in common is Christ's love in us. And that love that we have in us is the love that we should have for each other. So when someone like Cody says, I am broken, I am broken, we should look at Cody and we should love him and we should embrace him and we should, we should be there for him as God's people, as God's children. But there's this, there's this misconception that when you hear someone is so broken that you want to stay back from it. But that's not what God's word says. That's what our flesh says. Because lots of times in our flesh, we think that we have these areas that we're hiding. We don't want to be transparent in these areas either. And so we struggle against that. And just as, as we watch, uh, you know, who here just recently this past year has had a baby? Okay, quite a handful of us. Um, who here is parents? Almost all of us, <laughs> other than some of the youth back there. Um, as a newborn baby comes in the world, 100% relies on the parents to take care of the baby, right? As, as a newborn believer with a new heart has been transformed, what does God's word teach and instruct us to do with that new heart? To nurture, to help mature, to help provide for that, that new heart the understandings and teaching of God's word in a loving and a gentle way. And this is done best through the church, the church that we're in, our family church right here. So our local church right here, and this is, this is done, and God has an order in how he has that done. And he first puts that responsibility and that role on the pastors and elders of the church to instruct the church, to reprove the church, to rebuke to church if needed, but to do it gently and to do it lovingly. And then in that, look upon the church, and as Sam mentioned, the gray hairs of the church, the ones who are mature in Christ, to establish relationships with the ones who are new in Christ or the ones who are broken in Christ and set relationships up where there's mentoring and there's guidance. And that's what God's word shows through that, making disciples. We have to be very careful that, and it is a struggle. I mean, I struggled this with for years, trying to do things on my own. It's probably the reason the past five years, God has really showed me the need for him in the working through his people, right? And, and, and to, to understand that, you know, as, as his children, we need to really reflect on that and recognize, you know, we need each other. Not in the sense of, if I don't have you, I'm going to fail through life. If I don't have you, I'm not going to know who God is. 
No, but in the sense that God says, do you want to get to know me? Read my word. You want to know who I am? Follow my word. You want to know where to go? Follow my word. And where does he take us? He takes us together as children. As he, as he took the Israelites out of, out of the hands of Pharaoh through Moses, they're together, right? Traveling together. And that's what he's doing with us as a church. And so what I want to do is jump in. Let's just jump into our text. And we're going to go into Galatians 6. I'm gonna read the, I'll just go ahead and read the, the ten, these 10 verses. We won't go past there. Mainly want to focus on the first two. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of goodness, or gentleness, sorry. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, then he is nothing. He deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, then his reason to boast will be himself alone and not his neighbor. Not in his neighbor, sorry. Oh, this is a little low for my small print. I better bring it up. <laughs> okay. For each will have to bear his own load. Verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who is teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, for if we do not, give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So in this first part, we see in the first verse here, the reference is brothers. And since I'm speaking to men, we'll keep it as brothers, but it, can, it means God's children. If you look back at chapter 5, you understand it's referring to the church. Um, to, but for brothers, and, and if anyone is caught up in a transgression. So this, this verse often is taken out of context in a sense that it's pretty clear to see what it says. But this is not one of those aha moments. I caught you. I caught you. Or I knew the statistics are right. Everybody struggles in pornography. And I knew you probably did too. It's not what this is saying. Caught in a transgression, transgression literally means wrong step. You've taken a wrong step and you've been caught in a snare. It's like quicksand. And what happens when, when one steps in quicksand? I've never stepped in quicksand. I only watch the movies. You sink, right? And often you panic. I can imagine I would panic. So you kind of forget. You don't realize what's around you. You don't realize, well, maybe there's a limb right behind me. So you're panicking and you're desperately trying to get out. You lay flat, whatever you're trying to do. And often, well, at least in the movies, you see them going the wrong direction, right? And they're buried almost to here before someone comes and rescues them. But this is what this is referring to is when you're caught in a, in a trap, you become desperate and you start to panic. And for us to come along and we recognize that, we see someone caught, so we simply can help them recognize, reach behind you and grab hold of this branch. Because we can see clearly. So even the, the most knowledgeable, wise person out there who is 
who thinks so sharply and so quickly in all these incidences, when they panic, they lose all train of thought, all that training that they might have had, all this wisdom that they have about how to survive and all these things, if you panic, goes out the window. Okay? And so this is what this, this passage is referring to, caught in its transgression. And then, and, then here's, and then here's the help. Here's the help. And it says in the Bible, Paul talks about this. He says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So who's spiritual? You're spiritual, Cody. We're all, this, this verse is referring to all those who have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. It's not some spiritual guru, someone who understands the Bible like that. No, it's you and me, those who are spiritual, those who have been redeemed in the blood of Jesus, is what the Bible's saying. That those who are spiritual, you see a brother caught in a transgression, you help him. You help him out of that. You don't look at him and judge him and go, aha, you're caught. You say, oh no, brother, you're caught. Let me help you. How can I help you? How can I be there? And we know that because verse 2. But before we get there, it's something really important, the word restore. Restore him in a spirit, again, in the spirit of gentleness. So restore him back to where he was. Help him bring him back out. So get him out. Not only help him when he's in the transgression, but show him a means of getting out and staying out. Be there to help him stay out. And we understand that this is what verse 2 is talking about. It says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill, fulfill the law of Christ. So what does it mean after looking at the first verse to bear someone's burden? So when we think about bearing someone's burden, I've, I, I'll, I'll make it kind of... I'll, I'll actually, I'm going to share a story, true story, about a friend of mine. This was in Arizona. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a UPS driver. And a Christian brother, marriage was falling apart. Just, he was in, in a really bad spot due to a lot of things. One of those things is not being honest with his wife 10 years ago about something that was very big. Finally, was honest. But he did it in an emotional way. He went to a retreat such as this, was moved by being honest with your wife. Without being discernful and thinking clearly, he just blurted something out as soon as he got home. Well, so if you guys need to be honest with your wife, so I just want to say something. Be very careful how you do that. You need to. You need to. If there's something to be honest with, okay? But maybe you need to seek counseling before you do that. Or sit there with somebody in between you two when you do that. Whatever the case. So anyways, he did this and his marriage was just, I mean, he got kicked out of the house. It was a rough deal. And so he was at a place and then six months has went by and he's at a really, really vulnerable place. I didn't know all this. I just knew something was wrong. Something was different. And so I went to him. I said, like, what, what is going on with you? And so he starts to tell me in tears his life. And so what we need to understand is when we look at a verse, bear one another's burdens, this verse burden, this, this, it doesn't mean you 
are regretting or you're not looking forward to it. Or, so I want to get our perspective right here. It's not something like, great, you want me to help you move and you're coming down from a three-story building, okay? Because I've, been, I've done that for people. And that is a burden I do complain about, <laughs> although I'll do it. But this is something that when you see a brother caught in a transgression, you should want to. Because those who are spiritual should want to. If we are believers and if we confess the name of the Lord as our Savior, if we have been redeemed by the washing of his blood, covered in his mercy and righteousness, we should be changed. Changed to the point when we see someone hurting, we should want to. That's the thing. We should want to. You know why? Because Jesus did that for us. We are caught in a transgression called eternal damnation. And Jesus, through his mercy and his love, came to us and brought us out of the quicksand, pulled us out, right? And so he wanted to, Jesus wanted to, and we're supposed to mirror Jesus in our life. And so when our brother is caught in this same transgression, we need to want to. It shouldn't be like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm busy. I mean, life happens, we're all busy, but we need to figure out how to help our brother. So in this, I asked him, I said, and I'm gonna, I won't say his name just in case you guys end up meeting him. I didn't get permission to share a story, so I'll call him Johnny. So I said, Johnny, what can I do to help you, man? What can I do to help you? So this is what he said. He says, I'm weak, Eli. I'm tempted. And our routes at the time were right together. Right together. So he, we just, we'd take lunch together often because our routes would meet up. He says, there's this business on my route. I deliver there every day, and I'm tempted by this woman that works there who constantly is throwing herself at me. I'm strong one moment, and I feel weak the next. Will you deliver that delivery for me? And that may sound very small and simple, and I just said, sure, because our trucks were together. I'd go in his truck in the morning. Just a few boxes. I'd grab it and throw it in mine. And I'm obviously not as good looking as the guy. She did not throw herself at me, I'll tell you that. But... So there is a burden I took off his shoulder. And that's what this is talking about. We may not be the number one person in someone's life to bear a burden, but we need to be able to be there whatever it takes. It could be as simple as watching somebody's kids. It could be as simple as, let me go with you for your first time to the counselor. I can't counsel you, I'm not qualified. But it, it is, we need to walk with each other in life as believers. And for those who have this burden and you're struggling in this area, that's why we need to have close relationships, trustworthy relationships that are established in the church. And, and not necessarily just your church, your local church, but in the church of God, the ones who are redeemed believers, who are spiritual, which all of us are. And so my friend Johnny knew I was trustworthy, knew I would do everything I could to help him. And so he tr confided in me one of the most difficult things he could. And then obviously I did that for him. I did that for a whole year while their marriage was being recovered. A whole year, every single day was just a routine. And then the times I was on vacation, he was like just making sure he was able to be strong in those moments. And I would text him, by the way. Hey, I know what time you're going to deliver there. I'm praying for you, brother. 
It was a reminder of accountability because that's what we need. We need accountability as well. And that's what we need to speak in each other's life and be reminding each other. And so, you know, he went through this and it was difficult. And I made sure, though, that he had counseling. So he was meeting with his pastor. His wife was meeting with his pastor. At the time, they weren't meeting together. That's how rough it was. But over time, their marriage was healing. He finally got to move back in. And, and so, there's, so we have to be so quick in wanting to help because something like that, that would have been so tragic if he fell to that temptation. And it's so quick for us and easy for us to go, what a, just a slimy guy. Can't believe he did that. But what we should have done first, instead of judging him in that manner, is stopping it from happening. As a mercy of God, the protection of God reached, reached into our hearts and changed us to be new in him. That is our perspective we should have. The former old self has all those worldly perspectives. And so, so when we start to think in that term, the old self again, we need to go back to God's word. And we need to remember, okay, yes, that would be a slimy thing to do. Yes, it is real. It is it's not good. It is sinful and it's a shameful. Yes. But there's mercy and there's love and there's grace and there's something to be restored. Because God came for us when we were messy, we were broken, and we were destined to eternity in hell. And he redeemed us. And if we have that mindset with each other, we can help each other out in all areas. And so when you look at this verse, I want us to just really think about what it is to bear one another's burdens. That we should want to, for one, and we should do everything we can possible. You know, when a new believer converts, it's a celebration, right? So why don't we take that idea and that excitement of that celebration into their life when they're struggling. You know, that's what I, well, that's what the hardest thing for me when I see people who just throw judgment so quickly, someone converted, and then a year later they're struggling. Oh, maybe they're not even saved at all. And then it, what does that say about us? We really don't care about them, doesn't it? We really didn't think, we really weren't celebrating this conversion. What were we into it? Who knows? I don't want to read into that. But I do know this, that we should go, no, you came to Christ, you confessed. Verse 10 talks about, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We especially need to show that. And so I lost my thoughts. That's okay. I'm amongst brothers. Yeah. <laughs> And one thing that I wanted to point out too, for, uh, for those who are spiritual, which we all are, it talks about in, in this passage, it also points out that we need to also ch chest ourselves too. We also have to put ourselves in check. You know, that's another thing too, is it is difficult and it's not going to do any good if we're in the same sin with somebody and we're telling them to stop the sin. And that's why, well, that's why there's that very strong mandate, the qualification for pastor-elder. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe that all men 
should rise to that qualification. Not all men are called to be an elder or pastor, nor desire it, and that's perfectly fine. But that doesn't give you a way out in your sanctification. Okay? So we gotta make we gotta remember that. Just because there's some that feel the calling and desire it, they obviously have to meet the standards that God's word has for maturity to help others. But all men in Christ should always desire to what? Be sanctified because the Bible says so. God has called us to a life of purity. And in that, we need to remember a very crucial thing so we don't fall into Matthew 18 and start to go down the roads of church discipline and our sin. There's a, there's a misconception when it comes to uh, repenting. And in our, our modern church today, in the hyper-gracism movement, you repent once and that's it. You're saved, go live your life. But let me remind us what Sam said earlier, talking about the beautiful Psalm 51 that David wrote, confessing his sin. We should daily bring ourselves to God and ask God to reveal our sin to him. And we should, be on a, we should daily confess our sins to God. Not to be justified, not for salvation, because we're already saved, but for sa- in, in the walk and pursuit of sanctification. And, and it's not, you know, some super spiritual thing where you, you go in your closet, shut the light off or something. It's just in your day, you see sins boil up. Lord, forgive me for my sin. And, and when you meet together, I imagine that's what you do in your accountability class for purity is you're confessing with one another, your struggles. And that's another very key uh, understanding too, biblically, that remember that we confess these things with each other for what? What's the purpose? For accountability. Why? Because we can't do it alone. And we need to move away, we get a perspective, we need to get away from this mentality that I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. Right? We need to move away from that and start realizing that that would be just as foolish if you were to put yourself in the war with the Palestinians, right? Palestinian army. And you told the Israelites to stand down, I'm going to fight this on my own. And you yelled charge and ran at them. You're going to be destroyed. And in our walk with God, in our pursuit with God, God's word has called us to come together as a family to encourage one another to support each other. Don't be that soldier that goes out by himself and says charge by himself. Be the soldier that stands in God's word and with God's people and together God can be victorious in our life and move in us and through us because God is God has brought us together as a family. And one other thing too I wanted to point out in, at the end of verse 2, it says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So I'll read that verse again. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what, so what are we looking at here when we look at this verse, so fulfill the law of Christ? Well, what we're looking at is, is actually, let's look at what Paul says about it in Romans 13, verse 8. 
His words are way better than mine, I promise you. In verse 8 of 13 in Romans, Paul writes, Owe no one anything except love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and in any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that's what Paul is reiterating here, to fulfill the law of Christ. And we know that if we look at, uh, we don't have to turn there, but in the Gospel of John 13, 34 through 35, there's a commandment given to love one another. And it, and, it, and it speaks again in verse 35. Why is that? By this, all people will know you are my disciples. So, how, so you're thinking, well, okay. So we love each other and we, people know we're his disciples. But here's the, th- here's the power behind it. That love is the love of Christ in you reaching out to each other. And that's what people see. Because they know we're human, but they know we're sinful, and we can be just as nice as an as a atheist. We can be, have the appearance it's the same as an atheist in showing love and affection to our children. But, but if the love that's, that Christ has in us is flowing through, then people will know we're the disciples of who? Jesus, the Lord. There's a very clear, distinct difference of that kind of love. And that love bears each other's burdens. And that's what the burden that Paul is talking about here in Galatians 6. Bear one another bur- burden, right? That's that love. That's the fulfilling of the law that Christ has. That's what he wants us to do. Because what's the purpose of the Old Testament law? Point us to Christ, to reveal our sin. We can't do it. We could never hold that law. It shows us, it's a tutor, as Paul would say, to show us the need we have for Christ. And that's what it is. It shows us how much we need him. And if that's how much we need Christ, and if Christ has called us spiritual because it's the indwelling spirit that's in us, his love, then that is the love that all of us who are hurting need. And God uses that through us, his, his people, his children. So, so my encouragement would be that what I would love to get out of what I just hit on is that we're there for each other. Those in this room should show no judgment, no animosity, no bitterness to someone coming to you and saying, I'm struggling. You should be jumping to the opportunity to, to help them in love. And that love is revealing of their tr- the truth of the matter, that they're in sin and they need to change and they need to repent. And they need to understand they're not alone. And that's for those of you that may be struggling right now that haven't had that opportunity yet. That's what I want you to understand is don't be afraid. Don't hide. Don't listen to the lie of the world that tells you you're going to be judged. And the lie of the world is this that we, as Christians, are hypocritical. We talk and we preach love, but we don't live love. 
right? And so let's not buy into that, that lie. Let's see what God's word says and let's let God's word live in our hearts and, and go forth in us. There's a lot of other good verses here, but I don't have time to go through them. But I want you guys, you know, as just a side note, to go through these 10 verses and just study them on your own sometime. They're powerful. I mean, really study them. Get in there, unpack them. Use commentaries if you need to. There's a lot but good commentaries. I can tell you the ones that are good. <laughs> I won't mention the bad ones. But on that note, there's something, too, that we need to understand. For those of you who are married, and those of you who plan on getting married, who aren't married yet, in life, one of the outside of salvation, the greatest blessing is your wife. The greatest gift that God gives you here on earth is your wife. Now let me tell you why. Because it shows something about us. It sanctifies us and it reveals how selfish, how insensitive we are as men by our flesh. And we need to remember that and we need to love our wives no matter what. Your wives aren't here, so yeah, I know, they're sinful too. But we're here and we need to love them without any guidelines, only if. No, those only ifs are out the door. You love them no matter what. Why is that? Because God's word says so, right? Therefore, in Ephesians 5, this is for all believers, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us, loves us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We didn't deserve it. We were rotten, we ran, and we hid, and he came, he pursued us, he found us, and he died for us. That is for all believers to imitate. For, to each other as brothers, to our kids, and especially to our wives. Especially to our wives. And in that, we have to be honest to our wife. That's the best accountability, and we need to have radical accountability, especially when we're struggling in sin. One thing my wife and I do is I have, we share the same passwords on everything. All of our emails, everything. She has full freedom anytime, and I do not get upset at her anytime she wants to look at my phone, anytime she wants to look on my computer. She has full access. And we established that right when we got, before we got married, we talked about it. We knew the dangers of, of sin. We knew the corruption that's out there and how easy it is to fall and get caught, to, to be, transgress, be caught in a transgression, take the wrong step into something that now you feel you can't back out of. We knew, we saw that in God's word. 2,000 years ago, Paul writes this to us today. That's how real this is. And we need to remember that. So in that, we have no secrets. And we always tell each other the truth. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes we've got to work things out. But we need, that accountability is crucial and very important. And so for those of you with wives, you need to be 100% honest and 100% loving. That will go a long ways. Because you know what? As we confess to God our sin and ask his forgiveness, isn't there freedom in Christ? It is so freeing. 
And as you confessed your sin, those of you who confessed your sins here today, isn't that freeing? It is freeing, isn't it? There's freedom in that because you're no longer hiding, you're no longer ashamed. Everybody knows. Be careful, obviously, who you confess to in certain contexts. But it is free, and we need to remember that. It's the freedom that God gives us, and we're no longer bound to the ways of the world. We are bound to Christ in his ways. So with that, I'll just close there on one verse, and then Sam's going to jump up here really quick. And this verse Sam read last night, 1 John, and I'll get there, I promise. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.